Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I am your host, as always, Huzefa. And today we have a very, very special guest joining us. So we have somebody who is who has done amazing things in the field of education, and her name is Ray Pika. So I'm going to read a quick introduction about her, and then we're going to jump right into the interview. So Ray Pika has been an education consultant specializing in the development and education of the whole child and children's physical activity since 1980. A former adjunct instructor with the University of New Hampshire, she is the founder and director of the Ray Pika Keynotes and Consulting, formerly known as Moving and Learning, and the author of 19 books. Okay, right. You heard that right. 19 books, including the text experiences in movement and music, the award-winning Great Games for Young Children, and jump into literacy and a running start how to play how play physical activity and free time create a successful child her latest book published by corwin in 2015 is what if everybody understood child development straight talk about improving education and children's lives so as you can see she has done an extraordinary amount in the field of education so without further ado ray pika welcome to the show Thank you, Josefa. Thanks so much for having me here. I, I like listening to all of that. It makes me feel like maybe I have accomplished something in all these years. <laughs> well, absolutely, as of course is evidenced by that intro, so certainly. Uh, and so tell, so let's, before we jump into, and today, what, what we want to talk about today is, I, I mean, we could talk about anything with Ray Pika. She's done so much, but what, what I want to focus on is specifically the idea of active learning and, and moreover, active learning and its importance in mathematics. But we're going to get there eventually. First, as you've, you've done so much in your career, let's start with your background. So tell us, you know, what is your background in education? How'd you get started and all that? It's just such a weird story. And, and recently I saw a piece of Jim Carrey's new documentary about his doing artwork. And he said, the things that you do in life call to you. And I was really glad to hear him say that because I feel as though I wasn't very intentional about much of my career. I was dancing and then I was teaching dance to preschoolers and then I got into movement education and I uh, was going into preschools and, and local childcare centers and I was the movement lady and and then uh, I began uh, teaching as an adjunct uh, to physical education and early childhood majors at the University of New Hampshire. But it was mostly just people said, would you like to do this? Would you like to try that? And I said, sure, I'll try that. You know, uh, it was back in the day when the publisher was Delmar, and I don't even know what they are anymore. They've changed so many times. They, the editor said, would you like to write a textbook? And I said, sure, I'll do that, and then proceeded to hyperventilate a lot. Um, but it, it's just been an interesting journey where I feel like really I was led down this path. And now I'm just sort of – when I was a child, I wanted to be a writer. 
So now I'm just sort of combining all of my loves and it's pretty cool. It's kind of funny because I feel I feel the same way. I feel like what I'm doing now is a, is combining everything I love to do. So there's a commonality there. But that's 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 yeah. amazing. So tell me about so when you when you you said you began teaching kids dance. Tell me a little bit about the interaction between movement and learning. Okay. Well, you know, first I was trying to teach them dance technique. I mean, they were preschoolers. It was ridiculous. Um, I discovered very rapidly that they didn't need dance technique as much as they needed basic body and spatial awareness and opportunities for creative self-expression, you know, all that good stuff. And so that's when I sort of switched from dance to movement education. And there are just, there are two ways to look at um, movement or physical activity for young children. One is, you know, from the physical perspective, physical development and, and motor skill development and all of that. And then there's movement as a tool in helping children understand concepts. And I've, my, my life has just sort of taken me more in that direction. I almost feel guilty about it because I, I feel like when I talk about movement as a tool, it seems to say to people that movement in and of itself isn't valuable, you know, because we're always about academics in this country. Well, if movement can help children learn academics better, then it must be valuable. So I'm a little conflicted about that. But young children need to physically experience concepts in order to best understand them. So if we take uh, prepositions, you know, uh, around and over and through, which are also basic geometry concepts, then there's no better way for children to understand those concepts than by moving over, around, and through. You know, if we're talking adjectives and adverbs, we have them um, run lightly or skip softly or, you know, do a, a, um, a light walk, whatever it might be, so that they really understand those concepts. They tiptoe to soft music and stamp their feet to loud music, and then they understand the mathematics concepts of light and heavy. You know, I really just don't see any better way for children. There is no better way for children to really understand concepts than by physically experiencing them. So and, and many of us, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, and I'm much older than a preschooler. I tell people in my keynotes that when I'm learning to crochet a new pattern, for example, I can't just read the instructions and have them make any sense to me. I have to do it at the same time. And lately I have been speaking the instructions aloud to myself, which just gives credence to the um, the research that shows the more senses we involve in the learning process, the more we retain. So that's, I don't know if that answered your question, but that was my little spiel. It definitely answered my question and also gave me, uh, it prompted more questions I, I want to learn more about. So I, the, the fir first thing I want to ask is this idea of involving movement or multiple senses, is this at the heart of active learning? Yes. Yes, absolutely. We have this ridiculous notion 
that sitting still equals learning. And I, I just, my latest blog was called, we've always done it this way or something like that. You know, it's why you were back in the day when children first sat in rows and the teacher stood at the head of the classroom, we didn't have the research that we have now. Now we know that the more senses you use in the learning process, the more information is retained. Now we know that physical activity lights up the brain far more than sitting does. Now we know that sitting makes us tired and reduces concentration and that you can really only sit and absorb stuff for about 10 minutes at a time. So why, given the fact that we know all of that, are we ignoring it? You know, they're they're using our wonderful research in countries like Finland. Um, and here I wonder why we're even bothering to do it if the policymakers aren't going to pay attention to it. And don't get me started on recess and, and <laughs> the fact that about 40% of American schools have eliminated recess and some are being built without, um, without playgrounds. So you know, we value from the neck up in children and, and it's as though there's no other parts of them to be considered. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I see it all the time. The, the school that I work for is actually, they're, they're very, very supportive of encouraging playtime outside. Time. I mean, there's so many amazing, acti- it's, it's, it's the most amazing school uh, that I've ever, uh, that I've ever seen and ever been a part of. So it's, it's phenomenal in that respect, but yeah, absolutely. And what, you know, Let's say parents or teachers or other folks are listening to this and, and we hear the idea that, man, yes, movement, maybe using music in specifically math education would be amazing, but maybe they don't know how to do so or how to get started. Can you give some examples for, and I know you work with early development, so maybe kids from one to eight or something in that range, but can you give us some examples of how you've, you've been able to infuse movement and music to teach math concepts? Sure. I mean, uh, we're not talking trigonometry or calculus, obviously. Um, When we're discussing early childhood, it's things like quantitative concepts, high and low and wide and narrow and uh, pair and together and and those sort of things. And, And really, what better way for the children to understand? Light and heavy. I use the example of tiptoeing and stamping, or you could have the children pretend to be rabbits and then kangaroos and then they get you know both size and weight and light and heavy um if you're talking about number awareness and and recognition well you know um they can see the numbers on the board and try to take those on those shapes on with their bodies or you can put the shape of a number uh on the floor using masking tape or chalk or a jump rope or whatever it might be. And it might not seem as though, you know, following the shape of a, a, a number seven, for example, is, is doing much of anything, but it's imprinting that, that um, those lines and the angles and the, the shape on the body and in the mind. You know, when they um, move across the room and they're counting steps they learn one-to-one correspondence and when they measure 
with their hands the length of somebody else's body. You know, their friend is lying on the ground. It, it makes it all relevant to them. And most importantly, Josefa, it makes it fun. You know, I believe Jack, Jacques Dalcro said, I look upon joy as the most powerful of all mental stimuli. And I believe that. Children, joy and learning go hand in hand. And then we squash it out of them. Excuse me, when they get to school. So those are, you know, a couple of examples. I also use the example of basic geometry with the positional concepts. You know, you put a uh, a hula hoop or a, a poly spot or a carpet square on the floor, and you ask the children to stand near it, beside it, uh, in front of it, behind it, far from it, and they are absorbing those those concepts, those ge geometry concepts. And it, it makes sense to them because they can see it and they can feel it. And it, they're not ready for abstract thinking. We try to make them learn things and do things for which they're not developmentally ready. And thus the title of my latest book, What If Everybody Understood Child Development? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? We wouldn't ask children to do things for which they're not ready. Because child development can't be hurried. You can't accelerate it. So let's stop trying, please. Hmm, very interesting. It's, it's like, as you say, right, we're using using these concepts of movement for for your, for younger kids, because and, and man, I love that that idea, because I, I, I so believe that. And I'm so that's that's so in line with my philosophy when it comes to teaching as far as having fun and, and making it exciting and interesting. But it's, it's also even if you look at some of the movements in in education for higher levels, right? If you look at the the concept of project based learning, it's the yeah. it's in the same vein, really. It's it's maybe not all so directed towards specifically movement, but it but it is. It's about doing. It's about that whole active process. Active learning, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't just ab absorb information through our eyes in our ears. We need to use lots of senses. As I said, it's not just the children. You know, when um, you ask for a musical example, when the children do roll over, you know, there were five in the bed, the little one said roll over, they can see right there in front of them that five minus one leaves four. You know, it's not abstract. It's very, very concrete. And it's like, I guess, is there a way, so let's say, Sometimes there might be a, a disconnect between understanding the the concrete example. Like, for example, okay, I see this all the time. When we talk about decimals, and I also work with, with uh, second graders as well, and next year I'll be working with some third graders. So I do also work with, with kids in, in, on the younger spectrum. So let's yeah. say, for example, we're working with decimals and understanding th that whole idea. What is a quarter? What is a, you know, what is 0.5? Things like that. I, it's this weird thing where they will under, they'll, they'll learn about money from their parents, you know, making purchases. Maybe they'll get an allowance, things like that. They, if you ask what is uh, 0.5 or something, it can be confusing. But as soon as you're like, well, Let's relate it to money. It's like fifty cents. It's like seventy-five cents. It's, so the, immediately they get it. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at is sometimes they have these really great concrete examples where they actually do understand the concepts, but there's an issue connecting it with the abstract concepts that we use in math. Do you have any suggestions or tips on how to bridge the gap when you're when you're doing you know when you're teaching in these concrete ways? Well. I 
you talked about the money and for whatever reason that has relevance to them. You know, if it, if it's meaningful to them, it's, that's when it's going to make sense. That's when you're going to really engage them. You know, if you have, um, a real pizza or a, a cardboard pizza and you're trying to do division or multiplication or, or decimals, you know, you use the slices of the pizza, it makes a lot more sense to them than some squiggly lines drawn on a board. Um, so, you know, I don't know, again, if that answers your question, but it, we have to make it relevant to them. And there has to be a reason. It almost sounds as though, you know, I'm pandering to them. And, and I know we do too much of that in in our society these days with, with children. But that that isn't the point. The point is that the more senses we use in the learning process, the more we, we retain, that movement is the young child's preferred mode of learning, and why would, would we teach them in any way other than their preferred mode if we really want them to learn? You know, we approach them where they're at, not where we want them to be at. So let's talk about music and um, more so that because music is an area that I've been exploring a lot as far as creating me, you know, I make math music videos to try and teach different concepts. And it's that same idea of engaging the multiple senses, uh, as you mentioned earlier, but what's your take on, because I feel like it's, I feel like music is, is one of the most powerful things as far as teaching things. And if you look at the company vocabulary, the impetus for, them starting their company was they were amazed at how people could so easily memorize and retain lyrics to their favorite songs. So they said, well, well, why can't we use the same power to teach vocabulary words and now that math and all sorts of things. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the, the power of music used as a tool for both learning and, and just rote memorization? Well, I think that, you know, it goes back to, to joy. Children love music. It reaches them. Um, it, it just, it makes them feel a certain way. And I think that, that helps imprint the information, you know, on the body and in the mind. Um, what was the second part of the question, Josefa? <laughs> so it's like, so yes, no, no worries. So it's, I'm, I'm basically, I, I'm just wanted to know like your thoughts on, on how music is, or what, you know, why you think music is so powerful as far as uh, both for learning concepts and rote memorization. I think you, I mean, I think that's that basically does answer the the, the critical piece, which is you're, you're like, hey, it's it's bringing joy, it's piquing interest in that way, and that's why it's effective. Yeah, you know, it affects mood and attitude and all of that. <clears throat> it's funny that it was the rote memorization part that I forgot because I I, I sort of blanked it out. I I have um, an issue, as you can imagine, with there being too much rote memorization in our school system, and that is not the way children learn. That's not true learning. But, you know, we can get them started that way. I mean, everybody, uh, every child knows their ABCs because of the ABC song. There's something, I don't know what it is, you know, I I don't know enough about the, the, the workings of the human brain to be able to explain why we remember something better if we learn it um, as a song. But, um, or even, you know, it it happens with a finger play too. There is a poem that that I've done in my trainings that the only part I can remember without looking at my notes is the part that I've created a finger play to. So, 
that's off topic, I guess. But the, the music, well, the road memorization that comes with the ABC song is, is great, and it's a place to start. But unless there's meaning, you know, unless children realize, really understand that ABC are symbols for something, and they know what they are symbols for, then it's it's not it's kind of pointless you know and that's that's why organizations like your baby can read um are so frustrating to me as an educator because we make parents think that if their parents can recognize say an h and an i and they they have memorized that that means hi that that means their baby can read no that doesn't mean their baby can read because it it doesn't have meaning to them yet. Um, they can't recognize it out of context, and you know I could go on and on. But um, rote memorization has its place, and music can absolutely contribute to to that. But I always want to take it a step beyond. No, I to- that of course that totally makes sense. Uh, the 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 places where. I feel like I have to a little bit, it's like what I, I do a lot of standardized test prep and I'm sure you have, I, I, I can oh, only imagine, <laughs> I can only, I actually, I, I really enjoy it, believe it or not. I, I can only imagine though that you also probably have opinions on standardized tests and, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it is what it is. It's part, it's, it's a part of the system. And so, you know, my, my stance on it is I just, you know, we were part of that system and I try to prepare my students as best as I can for, for those of tests. So course. that's that's kind of where uh, that element comes in. But I completely agree with you as far as the problems that are inherent when we just focus on rote memorization. So- right, right. But if you if if it's absolutely necessary, I mean, if there's no way around these standardized tests, I mean, I'm always I, I believe in fighting the system where possible. But if in the meantime, there's no way around it you are probably making the test prep entertaining and and meaningful to the kids whereas i i'm i'm sure you're not just using plain old rote memorization that's my goal you know by the way uh in the next month my i have a video course for the sat uh math portion and in the next month i'm going to be integrating my math music videos into the course, which I'm so excited about because I mean, it is most of, I mean, pretty much everything out there. It's pretty dry and pretty, I mean, companies are doing more things that are better than what they used to do for sure. But I'm so excited because I mean, that that's going to be fun. And I know it's a stressful thing, but Hey, why not have, why not make it as entertaining as possible? Well, yeah, because we don't learn, um, our best when we're stressed. The, the, I, I do know that about the brain. Uh, if you introduce stress, then the, the, the brain just wants to shut down. Mm-hmm. And I know that from personal experience as well. Me uh, too. <laughs> so from, so I, I want to talk quickly about your book, Jump Into Math. So for parents who are listening uh, right now, and maybe, maybe they're saying, hey, we want to have a summer program for our kids, or we want to encourage learning at home too, or for teachers listening, Tell us about how they, you know, what is Jump Into Math all about and how could they use Jump Into Math to potentially develop different activities to stimulate math education at a young age? 
Sure. Uh, the examples that I've given you have come right out of Jump Into Math, and I happen to have it sitting right here because, you know, um, as you said, I've written a few books and I get them confused in my mind. But I'm looking at the table of contents, and it's broken up into quantitative concepts. You know, we talked about the light and the heavy and the high and the low, number awareness and recognition, counting and one-to-one -one correspondence and measurement. And these are sort of in a developmental progression. And then we go to basic geometry, you know, the over and the under and, and all of that. Um, sequencing and patterning. You know, if you're going to uh, pass a movement around a circle, that's, that introduces sequences to them. Or if you're echoing uh, claps. Um, and then simple computation. You know, I mentioned roll over, but three little monkeys is also simple computation. And I mean, it can be as simple as one child standing in the center of the room and you add a child. How many do we have now? And you add one more. How many do we have now? And then the first child sits down and how many left? And you've got simple computation or counting body parts. I want to see only five body parts on the floor. And then you can see instantly who's having trouble with counting, and then you can introduce the simple computation. Subtract one part. How many do we have now on the floor? You know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's just fun stuff. It's, uh, it's active learning for preschool children. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Ray. And by the way, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to learn more about what you do and get access to your books, how can they do that? Absolutely. Thanks, Josefa. RayPika.com, R-A-E-P-I-C-A. -E um, my, my books are listed there, but, you know, all, they're all on Amazon.com. And, and um, anybody can email me at Ray at RayPika.com if they have questions. So, Ray, thank Oh, you know what oh, I should oh, mention? Ahead. Sorry. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I, I forget this part because it's new. Um, I've started a YouTube channel, and I have several active learning videos um, where I'm, I'm giving examples like this for math, for literacy, for science and social studies and, and music and all the, all the content areas. Yeah, actually, I did see that on your website. So absolutely. And Ray, I would just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to join me. This was super fun for me. And the reason why I love interviewing educators, uh, whether it's ed tech startup companies or educators like yourself, you know, it's because I'm, I learn every time from the interview. And it's so fascinating for me. So thank you again for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it, Josefa. Absolutely. All right. And thank you guys so much for joining. Again, if you guys want to check out the show notes, go to scalarlearning.com into the podcast section and you can check out the write-up and I'll include all the information about how to contact Ray in the show notes. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so yet. And again, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to scalarlearning.com forward slash sign up. And right there you can subscribe. And if you do so, you'll get access, free access to our 24 Days to Multiplication Mastery video course. And, of course, check, out, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube as well. Thank you guys so much for joining. And see you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that skill. Learning, skill, learning, learning.